0: It's so great to be with you guys. I realise it's been two months since I've been over this part of town, although I work here on a daily basis. It's been two months since I've been here with you guys on a Sunday. Um, and I just bring you greetings from the East. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Al. I'm one of the Elders and I'm based over our, our other site over in the East. Have been for the last 18 months. Um, there are many new faces um, here that I don't recognise. If you wonder why I'm standing down here, it's not because I'm really tall. I just felt like, when Colin was speaking, I just felt like I should talk from here. I don't know why. So I just thought, well, why not? I don't think it's significant, but I just feel like, I feel like just God wants to just impart a couple of things to us, and then we're going to respond by praying for each other and um, just taking communion and going back into a time of worship, really. One of the things I realized yesterday was um, during um, Reverend Curry's preach, there were 40,000 tweets per minute, is that right, about him? So if I get four, then I'll be happy. <laughs> so could you just get your phones out now? <laughs> I just tweet great message before I've even said it. I'm just joking, of course. Um, I just want to very quickly just share one thing of, um, from the East, um, really. I'm, I'm very aware that we're wanting to maintain this sense of being uh, one church based in two locations. Um, And it can be very easy for distance to emerge. And that's fine on one level because we are two communities based in different parts of the town. We are on mission kind of over this town, but also kind of locally where we're based ourselves. One of the things God is really doing with us um, over in the east is he, as you might know, we meet in Dorkin Academy uh, over on St. Paul's Drive. And God has really um, stirred our hearts about partnering with the school where we meet to seek the transformation of that school. The head teacher there is a Christian. She's part of Gateway East, and God has really added her as a gift. And the reason we're meeting in Dorkin Academy is we believe God led us to be there. And so we are seeking as a site to, to find ways of actively blessing that school, being, being a, a resource to that school, bringing life to that school, tra- and playing our part in transforming that school. That school at the moment is kind of almost in special measures, Cheryl's vision, the head teacher, is to take it to an outstanding school, and we want to play our part in that. However small that might be, we believe that as the people of God seek to bless and transform society, then that does good for the students, that does good for teachers. And So we are trying to find ways of really being a blessing to that school. One of the ways that we're doing that is just through this exam time, through GCSE season, we are gathering on a Monday morning um, from half past seven to half past eight just to pray for the school and to pray for peace you know, the children taking exams at the moment are suffering hugely with anxiety and depression. And we're, we're coming in, we say, we believe that God will bring peace into the halls of that school. He'll bring peace into the exam time. And actually, that will be good for children, be good for outcomes. Last Monday, we did it for the first time. I thought it would just be me there on my own. There were nine of us gathered. I'm just having a wonderful sense of praying, saying, God, would you bring your very presence into this school? And br- would you transform the place where we are literally gathered right now? And we want to find lots of ways. There are so many opportunities to run parenting courses, to mentor children, to, um, to get involved in that school. And I just it's something that God has really grabbed hold of us about, really gripped us in, really. I feel like it's a privilege to be there. Yes, it might not be the nicest of environments. Please cut that from the recording, otherwise Cheryl will hear it. There are some limitations to it, for sure. but We believe God led us there. And we are so excited about how God is going to use the people of God being based somewhere to transform that school. And we're going to, we want to keep saying, we want to keep on going with it. we want to say, come on, God, would you come and bring your peace and your prosperity, not wealth prosperity, but the peace of God into that school and that it will be transformed for the glory of God. That's what we're living with in the East particularly. That's something that we, are, we, are, we have grabbed hold of um, particularly. I'm already going to go over 13 minutes for Reverend Curry, aren't I? I'm never going to do the same as him. He, he went over by, heart, by half. I'm going to cut by half of what I was going to do. So, um, so anyway, today we are continuing our DNA series. Today we're really looking at what, is it, what does it mean to be an authentic people. I think that what Rebecca prayed earlier is so key. And when she was praying, I felt like God just reminded me that this nation is ripe for a move of God. This nation is ripe for a move of the Holy Spirit. For a move that will see many transformed by Christ, empowered by the Spirit. I believe that, and I believe yesterday the proclamation of the gospel to 1.9 billion people simultaneously is not something that we should let pass us by. It's hugely significant, and people have grabbed hold of it, and people were tweeting about it all over the place. and my mum had a text one of her friends, and if church was like that every week, I'd go. People are hungry for the gospel, they just don't know it always, and they hear the truth. And they hear the truth that God is love, and they catch a hold of something. And they hear the words and the power of scripture which brings life, and it makes them go, I'm thirsty for something. I'm hungry for something. But what I want to just bring this morning, just very briefly, is this. That tomorrow morning, or this afternoon, when you go out from this place, the world will know about Jesus by the testimony of your life, and by the testimony of my life. We can preach a great message. We can give people the Bible and say, read this. But for many people, the testimony of who God is and what He's like will come from you and me. And whether we live lives of extravagant generosity, and of extravagant love, and of extravagant kindness, and of extravagant compassion, and of extravagant patience in the workplace, in our home lives, With our neighbors in the streets of this town, people will know what God is like by how we live authentically or otherwise. I don't mean that to bring condemnation. I believe it's a challenge for us that actually people will hear the message from yesterday and they're looking for something. And then Monday morning comes and we walk through the door of our workplaces or we encounter our neighbors and we get to authenticate the message that they heard on Saturday by the way that we live, by the way that we show kindness by the way that we live compassionate, generous lives. I just read this as Rebecca was praying in 1 John 4. Little children, that's not a derogatory thing, because the Bible says become like children. People who come like children inherit the kingdom of God. Let us not love in word or talk, but in deed. And in truth. I just want to encourage us this morning. I want us to be encouraged and to leave this place fueled by the, by the sense of expectation that God wants to move in this nation and fueled with a sense of weightiness in the right way for, hey, tomorrow, this afternoon, wherever I go, I want to live a life that authenticates the message of Jesus Christ. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever I can to clothe myself, as we're going to hear in a minute, in goodness and kindness and compassion and humility in the places that I go. This afternoon when I go home, how I am with my children will authenticate the message of Christ to them. Not just that I tell them that Jesus is real, but how I love them and how I seek to serve them, and whether I'm kind to them, and whether I'm compassionate will authenticate what I say to them. If I go home and I'm rude to my children, which I am sometimes, or I get angry at them, they're left going, hey, I thought this. And it's not that I'm perfect. Please don't hear what I'm not saying. We're under grace this morning. We're all on a journey of being conformed to the likeness of God. But I want to grow up in this area. I want to grow to be more like Christ. I want to grow to be more kind like Jesus was. I want to grow to be more humble like Jesus was. I want to grow to be more compassionate like Jesus was. I want to grow in patience. I want to grow in generosity. I want to grow up in Christ in every circumstance that I find myself. We're just going to base ourselves very quickly in Colossians chapter 3. If you've got your Bibles, please do turn to it. I'm reading from the NIV. It'll also come up on the screen. I'm just going to read quite a bit of Colossians 3 because it helps set the context. Colossians 3 says this. Since then... You have been raised with Christ. Paul has taken great pains in chapters 1 and 2 to lay the foundation of the gospel. that Through Christ, it's through what Christ has done on the cross that you've been raised to new life. It's because of him. It's because of him. It's what he's done. It's what he's done. And it's very understand, important that we understand what Paul has done. He's, he's laid the platform of the gospel and what Jesus Christ has done. It's only in chapter 3 he starts to go, therefore live like this. If we get it the wrong way around, we start to think that our moral conduct is what makes us right before God, not that Jesus Christ declares that we are righteous in his sight and therefore we can live lives of generosity and compassion. It's through the power of the gospel. We need to understand what Paul is doing here. He says Jesus is enough. Jesus is everything and therefore you can live like this. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is hidden in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived. But now you must rid yourself of all these things, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge of its creator. Here there is neither Gentile nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all, and Christ is in all. Jesus is the hero of the story. Before I get on to verses 12 and 14, which talk about conduct, the Bible says we're to fix our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and the perfecter of our faith. And if we want to grow in likeness, we need to know that we need the gospel, because it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that changes us. It's through what he's done on the cross that he paid the price that we can never pay, that he's redeemed us, that he's set our feet upon a rock, that we are not guilty, that we are declared righteous and clean in his sight. That is our starting position, that is our ongoing position. It's the A to Z. It's not like, hey, we've got the gospel, now we're going to move on. It's like, no, we live the gospel daily. We are are in love with Jesus daily. If you want to know how to live a godly life, fix your eyes on Jesus. First and foremost, before we get on to how do you clothe yourself, before you do any of that, fix your eyes on Jesus, because he's the author and he's the perfecter of your faith. If you want to know how to grow in godly living, fix your eyes on Christ. Look to him. Imitate him. Let his life seep into you and through you. It's through Jesus because Christ is all. i.e., He's enough. He's everything. He's the champion. He's the hero of this great story. And therefore we look to him. First and foremost... Not when we got saved, we looked to Jesus, and now we must do a few good things to get right with God. No, we look to him, and we wake up in the morning. And we say, Jesus, I fix my eyes on you today because you're the author and the Perfector of my faith today. And tomorrow, you're the author and perfecter of my faith tomorrow. And the next day, and the next day, until he takes me to glory, he's the author. And one day, he's gonna, he is going to perfect, and he's going to bring to completion what he started in me. He who is faithful, he who has begun a good work in you, is faithful, and will see it through to the day of completion. You need to know that Christ is all, and Christ is enough. Therefore, as God's chosen people, which is us in this room, he's talking to the people of God here, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I just want to, I'm just going to spend five minutes, then we're going to wrap up. I just want to spend five minutes talking about this idea of clothing yourselves. Paul is the master at using physical illustrations to demonstrate a spiritual reality. He talks about running the race with perseverance, doesn't he? He talks about fixing your eyes upon Jesus, as I've just said. And here he writes, clothe yourself. He literally means get dressed in. Put garments on. Be clothed in goodness and kindness and compassion and patience. Put them on. It's the same Greek word that is used to describe John the Baptist's odd choice of clothing, and it's the same word that's used in Ephesians 6 about the spiritual armor of God. So it's a physical illustration, but it's also a spiritual reality, and the Apostle Paul is a master at this. And you just imagine, just think about this for a moment. What he's saying is get dressed in these things. Because you know that Christ is enough, because you know what he's done, he says, therefore now clothe yourselves. Put on a jacket of kindness, get dressed in patience, get dressed in compassion and gentleness, and over all these things put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Now, when you think about this imagery, it's actually really, really helpful, and this is the reason why Paul used it. Let's just land there for a moment. When you think about this idea of clothing yourself, there's a few things that it is. One is it's active. When you got dressed this morning, you had to do something. Your clothes did not suddenly appear on you, otherwise you'd turn turned up in your pyjamas. You, you came here this morning and you physically, you got dressed this morning, didn't you? you? Something active happened this morning. It's not passive, it's active. Being clothed in is an active thing to do. Our faith is not passive. Our faith is active. And when we get dressed in the spiritual reality, in the spiritual goodness, in kindness, in compassion. We need to understand that it's a sense of we're being, we're being active as we do it. We're not sitting on the sidelines waiting for it to happen. No, we're, we're saying, I'm going to tell you I'm going to put on kindness. I'm going to put on compassion. I'm going to put on patience. And the second thing is, is, is this. Getting dressed is a daily matter. Every day, we wake up and we clothe ourselves physically. And the same is true of godly virtues. we have to clothe ourselves daily. We're to say, God, today, would you make me a compassionate person? Today, would you, make me, would you fuel me with kindness and grace and love? As I get dressed in the morning, i want to say, God, would you clothe me today? in your goodness and your kindness today. There's nothing wrong with saying daily, God, would you do this and would you do this and would you do this in me until it becomes a habit. Habits take time to form. I think we all know that. So we're to say daily, would you, would you dress me today, oh God, in these things that I might grow in them, that I might grow up in them, that I might become more like you. And the last thing about getting dressed is it's very obvious if somebody were to walk in here without any clothes on, we would all be thinking, what is going on? And probably be calling the police. It is obvious that we are wearing clothes. And so when somebody walks through the door, I loved your testimony this morning, when someone walks through the door, they're not to say, hey, is there, is there kindness around here? Is it, is, it, is, it, is it around here somewhere? Hey, is there compassion? Oh, yeah, if you want compassion, go and see that person. That person's compassionate. If you want patience, go to see that person over there, because he's patient. It's to be obvious amongst the people got. it marks us out that when somebody walks through the door of this building, they say, "Hey, these people are clothed in kindness." And it's obvious. they're wearing a jacket, they're wearing shirts, and it's like it's an obvious thing they walk into. People know when they walk in, and it's either authentic or it's not. when we're out into the workplaces tomorrow, and when we're scattered across this city, when we're with our family this afternoon. It's obvious if we're clothed in goodness and kindness or not. Charles Spurgeon said it like this. Don't have kindness in your heart and a degree of humility in your soul, but put it on. It's to be the very dress that you wear. It's to be the very jacket that you wear. Kindness. Clothe yourselves. I just want to encourage us in the Lord this morning that we have a, 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 a marvellous and unique opportunity this week, I believe, in light of yesterday, to live out authentic lives tomorrow morning in the workplace and with our neighbours. And they'll go, what is it about you? Why are you clothed differently? Why do you look different? Why are you acting different? Well, let me tell you, when you heard about the love of God in that preach on Saturday, it's not theory. It's a reality. Because Jesus has changed me. And therefore, I'm clothed in these things. I just want to invite you just to stand, if that's okay. I recognize that we haven't got into the the structure of intro, unpack a preach, and application this morning. But I hope you hear my heart. And I hope you understand that it's based on the word of God. And we know, we are to look to Jesus, who's the author and the perfecter of our faith. And the Bible also says that we're to be fueled by the Spirit. Galatians 5.22 onwards. When we're fueled by the Spirit, it says we grow in kindness and patience and goodness and gentleness and self-control. God has not left us as orphans or slaves, but he sent his spirit. I just wonder this morning if we could just respond under that first. And then we're going to respond very practically. I wonder if the band could just come up. That would be brilliant. The Bible says in 2 Peter, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. If you know this morning that you want to be fueled by the Spirit to live authentic lives of faith this afternoon, tomorrow, the next day, could you just hold your hand out? I just want to invite us to be fueled by the Spirit. Being fueled by the Spirit is not a one-time offer. He says it's go on being fueled by the Spirit and watch as God shapes you. So we invite you right now, Holy Spirit, for every single person who's just put their hands up. We thank you that you've sent your Spirit to help us grow in Christ likeness. We just invite you now. We know you're already here, but we know also there's a command that we to be being filled with the Spirit. And so we ask for every person who's responded this morning with their hands raised as a, as a physical symbol, if you like, of receiving, that you might fuel them right now, I pray. where maybe for some of you you feel like as I was talking you like maybe my life has been marked by unkindness God's just coming and he's just bringing correction and he's saying I'm going to fuel you this week to be kind in the home to be kind to your boss who might be incredibly annoying to be patient in a new way because he's fueled you by his spirit so I just invite you Holy Spirit